Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15, look after each other so that none of you falls to receive, fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that there was no one who was immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he had begged with bitter tears. Lord, we thank you for your incredible word. God, that leads us, it guides us, it instructs us. God, it, inc- it corrects us. God, it encourages us. God, I pray that your people would be encouraged today. God, we pray a special blessing over our pastors who are on vacation right now. We ask God that they would be refreshed. God, inspired with vision. Uh, God, to serve God. We just thank you for who you are. We are such a blessed church. In Jesus' name, would you say a big amen today. You may be seated. Our pastors are on vacation, so uh, keep them in prayer uh, over the next week that God would just refresh them, that they would get vision, they would be inspired, and they would come back ready to continue the incredible thing that's going on here. Are y'all ready for some fun today? I, I'm like, I like to be more of a fun person, but I have to confess that today is not necessarily fun, but it is good. How many of you guys know, like, babies love to drink chocolate milk? You know that chocolate milk tastes good, but we know that milk is better for babies, right? And so, um, so today is not going to be so much about dessert, but it's going to be more about some meat, all right? Y'all good with that? Well, um, just to give you a little heads up, this message comes from my personal journey with Christ. Let, let me explain to you, I, I love to say this often because I remember when I first got saved, I would look up at the stage and I would see people leading worship and preaching and, and I would be so inspired by what they're doing. And I would always think this of myself. I would think, there's no way I could ever be as good as a Christian as them. I mean, they're really good. Look at them up there. They're awesome, you know. Look at them sing. Look at them pray up there. Look at them talk. They have so much authority and they, they have so much zeal and they're so cool, man. Wow. But I could never be like that. And what I want to say to you is that there is no special privileges or anointing for people who are up here. We're all anointed to do the work of God together. There's, there's nothing different about me as there is about you in your workplace when you're ministering to people. Is that a good amen for that? And so we are all the same. I have no special powers as a, as a staff pastor at this church to serve God any more than you have any special powers. We all have the same power. It's called the Holy Ghost. All right, so I uh, just want to get that out there, clear the air. Um, but this message comes from my personal journey in Christ. And it was about four years ago that my wife and I went through a fun little journey. Uh, we stepped out of ministry for a little while, and um, we went into what I would call maybe the desert place. Anybody ever been in the desert before? We went into this desert place, and a lot of funky things were happening while we were in the desert place. And it was in that place that God started to reveal to me what I want to share with you today. God began to show that there were some things in my spiritual foundation that was stunning my growth. How many of you guys know the Bible says, Jesus said, 
I came to give them life and life more abundantly. I, I would read a scripture like that and I would kind of feel like, don't really feel like I'm having this life abundantly thing. Anybody ever feel that way before? I don't really feel like I'm having this life abundantly, but your, your word says that I can have it, and I'm just, I'm kind of struggling. I, I'm not seeing that life more abundantly. Have you ever fought the same battles in your life over and over and over and over and over and over and over? And then we could say that for the next hour and over again and you feel a little deflated. You, you know you love Jesus, and it got nothing necessarily to do with heaven and hell, but you got this war inside of you, and you can't figure out what is going on in you. Well, that was the type of war that was going on in me. And I would hear all these messages, and I would even preach some of these messages on the incredible abundant life that God wanted for his believers, yet I inside was struggling so bad to believe these scriptures. What I want to talk to you about today was something that I would say was stunting the abundant life that God desired for me. And I got to admit that there were some times where I kind of began to give up on expecting freedom in these areas of my life. Any, anybody in here ever felt that way? I, I began to think, you know what, maybe Jesus doesn't care so much about this part of my life. Maybe, maybe, maybe I won't get over this until the day that I get to heaven. And I started to feel a sense of defeat. A sense of defeat that's so low that you don't really even want to share that with your spouse. It's kind of something that's so low that you just kind of, you don't want anyone to know about it. You're like, Jesus, this is, this one, this is good between me and you. We just leave between us. But it was one of those types of defeats. And so, in your notes, you see the title is already called Bitterness. Bitterness is such a funky thing. It is such a strange thing. It is such a sneaky thing. And here's the cool thing. When I was in that season a few years ago, I was so concerned about what I was not doing for the Lord because I wasn't in vocational pastoral ministry. I was working at some bank, and I didn't feel like I was in the calling that God had called me to do. But here's what God told me in that season. God said, son, I love you so much. It is really not about what you're doing for me. It's about what I'm doing for you, and it always has been. And so that's the word for you today. It's not so much about what you're doing for him. It's about what he's doing in you. And when everything with you and him is good, boom, just things happen, and God's word gets spread. The Great Commission gets, gets fulfilled. And so I want, I want, we're going to just kind of let the body of Christ today, we're just going to just do a little looking into ourselves this morning. Can we do that today? The title of the message today is Bitterness, and, and I wish I had a better title, but it, it's just Bitterness. doesn't taste very good, does it? With the help of God and the Holy Spirit today, I want to teach you and talk to you about this thing called bitterness. Um, a little bit from my own personal experience and the things that the Lord has showed me. By the way, those things that, that I and you struggle with over and over and over and over again... I'm going to venture to say that bitterness is potentially, possibly responsible for most, if not all, of the spiritual and emotional dysfunctions and struggles of your life. I felt the Lord beginning to show this to me, and through these years, he's confirmed it in different messages that I've heard and, and, and um, in different scriptures that I've been reading. 
And the Lord continues to remind me today through these last few years, if I want to remain healthy as an individual, and it's a struggle every day, I must continue to be aware of this thing called bitterness and not allow it into my life. Wow. The Lord began to show me this root of bitterness that was responsible for this ridiculous battle in me. And here's what one of those battles was, insecurity. You can talk to my wife, you can talk to my mom. I I have fought insecurity my whole life. This battle of insecurity that, that I've tried to win time and time and time again. The enemy just got me swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging to win this crazy battle. And it was funny, but this thing would follow me in every conversation that I have. It would follow me when I would leave conversations, and I'd have conversations in my head. You know, like the the crazy you? You all got a crazy you, right? You talk to yourself in your head, and you get these crazy conversations. Well, I should have said that. No, you shouldn't have said that. You should have said this. No, you should have. Why did you say that? That was so dumb. And and you got all these things going on, and, and you can never be who God wants you to be when you're like that. And I could never be who God designed me to be. And I think from some of those insecurities that were in my life, I developed developed this fear of man that produces very unhealthy amount of people pleasing in me. I began more concerned with pleasing people than I ever was about pleasing God. And so this root that I begin to see in my life I want to talk to you about today can be taken care of when you identify this root of bitterness in your life. And since then, I got to tell you, I have experienced more freedom with less effort in these areas than I ever have in my entire life. And here's what I wanted to say to you as we get into this message. You can experience more freedom in your life in the areas that you have battled with over and over and over and over and over again when you begin to let God's word shine in places of your life that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And you're going to win these battles with less effort than you have ever imagined. Why? Because it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. We fight battles, right? Spirit to spirit, not flesh to flesh. And so let's get into God's word today. I want to define this word bitterness for you. Um, we're going to take a look at this word from a little bit of a science. I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to try to my best to show you a little bit of what this, what this word can mean for you and I from a scientific standpoint. First, let's take note of the word bitterness. Bitterness is a taste in the mouth. Bitterness is a taste sensor that is not just in the mouth, but it's literally on the the tongue. We have other taste sensors in our mouth. They are things like salty, sour, and sweet. These things are really good. I love salty stuff. Any love salty stuff? I love a salty pickle in the summer when it's hot. My body's craving it. I feel like a pregnant woman. That just came out. I don't know where that wasn't in my notes. But I just know pregnant ladies like pickles. Eh? So I guess I, anyways, we'll move on. But I love salty stuff. I, how many, I love salt on a nice, juicy, medium rare steak. It is so pleasing to my tongue. And, and when I was a kid and still now, I love sour. That's my mom. My grandmother had this, this beautiful Meyer lemon tree. If you've never had a Meyer lemon, you are missing out. It is like 
super thin on the outside and it's so juicy on the inside. I mean, you could like literally grab it and just squeeze it. And it just starts juicing all over the place. I would, I would get one of those Meyer lemons and I'd grab the salt shaker. I wasn't allowed to do it. And I'd go hide around the corner and I would just shake salt on those lemons and I would just eat that, that sour lemon. I'd, I could eat two and three at a time. But, it, but it's so amazing that the Hispanic culture has come up with something beautiful. They have combined salty and sour called Lucasol. And it's the most beautiful thing. Go to the hood, go to the ghetto, go to a gas station. They're in these little packets right next to the, ca- the checkout area and you can get one. They, they was laughing over there. You can rip that baby off and you sit there and just eat it. And it's so good. It's a beautiful flavor. And then there's the sweet flavor, the sweet sensor in the mouth. Those of y'all know, some of y'all are shaking your head like, please don't talk about the sweet sensor. I'm going to go into withdrawals right now. Because some of you think you're actually addicted to this sensor. This sensor is sweet. It's like that, the raw honey and that raw sugar from the honeycomb. You know what I mean? It tastes so good in the mouth. It's a beautiful thing. And then there's another sensor, another taste sensor. That was the funnest that the whole day is going to get. There's another taste sensor called bitter. Bitter. Bitter in its raw form comes in the form of chocolate. Chocolate is really bitter in its rawest form when you don't apply sugar to it. Then there's, uh, then there's a leaf called arugula that is like a super bitter, bitter leaf in the mouth. And then there's like coffee is a really bitter flavor. And then there's, then there's some natural teas that are really bitter flavors. And then there's this thing called hops that's in beer that is really bitter. And I know that most of you know nothing about that, so we'll just move on this morning. <laughs> bitter is one of the flavors that humans are particularly sensitive to. They say that that the bitter sensor in the tongue is created to help us to identify toxic substances in the mouth because these toxic substances are bitter. So when that bitter hits our bitter sensor, red flags go off. And it's like, hey, spit that out. That's nasty. I don't like that. That's way too much. Somebody add a little cream to that. Somebody add a little sugar to that. I can't handle that. Go to Starbucks and get a latte. None of this like hardcore manly coffee stuff. I don't have any hair on my chest, by the way. That's why I don't drink that stuff. Pastor, he loves black, dark coffee. He loves it. And if you've ever been to his house and you've tasted his coffee, if you don't like dark coffee, it's nasty. But it's so funny. You just add enough cream and enough sugar and then more cream and more sugar and then a little more cream and a little more sugar and just a little tiny bit more sugar. It's not so bad. (laughs) And then you start drinking that week after week and month after month and all of a sudden, this thing that tastes so nasty, they say it's an acquired taste, all of a sudden, you kind of start getting used to it. And then maybe you start backing off on the cream. You start backing off on the sugar. And then you end up like Ricky. You just tap it out like that. Boom. You just throw it back. It ain't no thing. <laughs> Let's take a look at what the Bible says about bitter. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. We're just going to read a part of the scripture. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitter Right, do you guys remember what the bitter sensor does in the tongue? It goes off when something toxic comes near you. Watch out that the poisonous root of bitterness 
does not grow up and cause trouble to you, corrupting many. Acts 8 and 23 says, For I see that you are, is that word poisoned again? (laughs) Poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. What is bitterness? According to these scriptures, bitterness is a poison. It's a poison. It infects. The original word bitterness, actually, it it, kind of gives the picture of a a sharpness, a cutting and a choking off. Bitterness, when entering into the life of you and I, the believer, right? The believer, this is about the believer. When it enters into the life of the believer, it is a harsh flavor in our soul. It is so overpowering when bitter hits our soul. Here, here's what they say about, about bitterness. When, when an enough, enough amount of bitterness hits the tongue, it literally closes off those other sensors in your mouth. And you can't taste sweet. You can't taste salty. So when bitterness hits our life as a believer and it hits us, it literally shuts off. That word actually means a cutting and a choking. It literally cuts and chokes off the flavors of God in our life. Have you ever seen how powerful a root can be? Powerful, right? You got them. Those roots in that tree by your house, I mean, this beautifully heavy, I mean, if there's a construction person, you know how heavy concrete is. You know how sturdy a foundation of a home is. But left unattended, the right kind of root growing up around that concrete will literally bust up that foundation over time. You won't see it coming, but all of a sudden, you never see it coming. All of a sudden, you go, where did that come from? And it's like, well, it's been growing for a really, really long time. And by the way, it's like years and years and years. But suddenly, for some reason, you just notice the concrete's all busted up, and there's something right up underneath there called a root is blowing up the foundation of your house. Just as bitter in the mouth shuts down the other flavor receptors in the mouth, so does bitter in our soul shut off the other flavors of God in our mouth. The Bible says this thing called bitter is like a poison. It's amazing to me that the amazing fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, don't these things taste so sweet to the soul when you've got them? You love people like you'd never imagine, right? You'd be so patient like you never imagine. There's so much peace in your life like you never imagine. There's so much self-control to overcome sin like you never imagine. But, with, and, but without those things, life is no fun for you and for everybody who is in your wake. Trust me, they love tasting the fruits of spirit out of your life. I guarantee you, I promise you with all of my heart. These things the Bible calls the fruits of the spirit. And when there is a bitter root, this poison taps into our foundation, ruins our roots, and starts growing up through our spiritual tree, right? And those things that were once beautiful fruits start withering and tasting nasty. And have you ever like grabbed a piece of fruit that looked okay? You tasted it, and it was like, oh my gosh, whatever. It looks like a tree. 
It looked like a Christian, but wow, it sure did not taste like one. I believe that as we look at bitterness in the Word of God, that it is possible, that it's possible that bitterness is the root cause for every unhealthy spiritual root and or sin habit in your life. Whether we talk about addictions to substances like drugs or alcohol, whether we talk about sexual addictions, whether we talk about anger issues, whether we talk about fear or insecurity or or lack of ability to commit, or whether we talk about poor self-image or constant financial struggle or poverty mentality, whatever you want to call it, I believe that it's possible that with just enough bitterness in your life, this root called bitterness is possibly poisoned everything in your world and causing a lot of funky fruits in your life. And the enemy wants you swinging at those things, trying to fix those things, when, when all that's going on is there's just a dysfunction down on the root. That's it. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not bad. You're just infected. You're just infected. I believe that it is possible today that God can bring deliverance in your life once and for all. It's not hocus pocus. It's not like some super spiritual prayer that's going to be prayed over you. It's, it's called the knowledge that people perish for their lack of what? Knowledge. It's because of the lack of knowledge, but then there's something else you have to do with this knowledge. You have to apply it. I believe that with the right knowledge and the right application, daily application, you can have freedom in these areas in your life. Why do I believe that? Because I've experienced them. Let's notice three things that bitterness does. Number one, bitterness fills your mouth. I'm probably going to take more time on this one because this one, like, like you feel choked up when you just say that. To give you a little context of Romans chapter 3, um, Romans chapter 3 is explaining what the life without Christ is like. In other words, it's saying this is what you are like when you don't know Jesus, all right? So here's what the life without Christ is like, the life before a relationship with Jesus. The writer says this. I'm going to paraphrase a couple of verses before, and then, and then we're going to get down to verse uh, number 14. It says this. No one is righteous. Nobody could do any good, right? Without Jesus, nobody could do anything good, right? We struggle to do good with Jesus, but definitely without him, nobody could do good. Verse number 13. There, where's bitterness? Their talk is foul. Their tongue is filled with lies. Verse 14, their mouth is full of cursing, bitterness. Chokes you, right? I mean, you throw something bitter in your mouth and it's just like, boom, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Their mouth is full of cursing. Bitterness fills our mouth. Bitterness filled my mouth. When there's bitterness in our mouth, there is no room for anything else. When there is bitterness in our mouth, it is hard to compliment people. When there's bitterness in our mouth, it is hard to celebrate with people. When there's bitterness in our mouth, it's hard to have joy with somebody else. When we are bitter, we victimize ourselves. When we are bitter, 
We focus on taking care of all of our needs and not on the needs of anybody else. When we are bitter, blessings do not come pouring out of our mouth. Bitterness overwhelms the sensors in our spiritual life, in our mouth. And love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness cannot come flowing out of us because bitterness has set in. It is like a poison. What happens when our mouth is full of bitterness for too long? The word bitterness, the original word, means a cutting and a choking. It literally begins to cut off and choke your spiritual life out. And you start saying things like, why God? Why me, God? Where are you? I don't hear you anymore. Because the bitter flavor is so strong and so potent, it begins to stifle your relationship with God. Think about this. Their mouth is full of bitterness. Their talk. When you're bitter, your talk is affected. Your conversation, your speech is affected. And the tongue is filled with you lie to yourself, you lie to others, you cannot bless. The only thing that comes out of our mouth is curses. Think about this for a minute. How did sin find its way in the garden? The reason why I say possibly the root of bitterness is the root cause for all root causes in your life is because of this. When we look at the very beginning of humanity, the very beginning of time, when we look at the garden, how did Satan enter the garden? Because of a jealous, bitter spirit towards God. He fell. And because bitterness was in his mouth, his talk was foul. His tongue was filled with lies. And because of those lies, every time he opened his mouth, he spewed out, this poisonous venom called bitterness on everyone in his wake. Adam and Eve just so happened to be in the garden in his wake. Sin was so full of this poison, and Eve happened to be right there. And as he opened his mouth, he told her, the day you eat of this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God told Eve, you can have any tree in this garden that you want, but the one tree you can't have is this one right here. You can have that one. And Satan came to her and he said, hey, you can have that one. You're going to know everything that's good and evil. I mean, God is good and, and he knows what's evil. That's going to help you. God's holding something back from you. And his bitter spirit began to lie to her. Look, as soon as he spit that out, it hit Eve's spirit. And I guarantee you the bitter taste buds of her life started jumping up and down going, red flag, red flag, red flag. She freaked out. She runs to her husband to try to figure out, hey, should we do this? Should we not? Because she tasted the bitter flavor. But she was so intrigued by this flavor she had never known before. I believe that this was the moment that she took the bait. She was immediately infected not even knowing it by the poisonous venom that came spewing out of his mouth. I remember when the Lord began to show me this a few years ago. The Holy Spirit told me this. He said, Sean, you're keeping this root of bitterness alive in your life. 
because you keep it alive in your mouth. You keep talking about it. You keep rehashing it. You keep keeping it alive. The word for the Lord for me that day was, Sean, if you close your mouth and stop giving power to this bitterness, you will find freedom in your life. And I'm wondering if maybe that that might be the word of the Lord for somebody in this room. That it, please, I'm not saying shut your mouth. The Lord is saying if we close our mouth, stop releasing this venomous, bitter poison from us, we might receive some healing. The things that you have battled with over and over and over and over and over again are just fruit. It's evidence of a bitter root in your life. Remember how bitterness takes root. When we look at the garden, the enemy came in with deception to Eve. He came in with deception and it caused offense in her and she believed that he, he had something true and it really wasn't true because his mouth was full of lies, but he deceived her. That deception turned into a wound in her life. I bet you she was angry and bitter for a long time that she believed that that lie that the enemy brought to her. Listen, bitter roots come to us when we are deceived by others. People are not always, look, people are not always trying to wound you. They're not always trying to harm you. They don't often even know what's going on when bitterness is coming out. But you just happen to be there. By the way, we live in a fallen world. You will be affected by this root of bitterness. When this offense took place in her heart, it turned into a wound. And when unforgiveness is harbored in your life, and when this bitter, it turns into bitterness. And when this bitter root is not handled, it poisonously infects you. Not affects you, infects you. And it fills your mouth. God said, Sean, if you close your mouth, the taste sensors that are dead in you are going to be able to open again. You're going to be able to experience my love like you've never experienced before. When you experience my love, Sean, guess what? You're not going to be insecure. You are going to know you are so loved by me. You are going to be so empowered with a destiny and a passion to fulfill what I have created you to fulfill that you are not going to care what anybody thinks. You are going to be so full of self-control over your mind. When you are filled with my fruits of the Spirit, you are not going to be concerned about anything but my will. So what I say to you is whatever thing that you are battling in your life today, I don't care if you're trying to overcome the, the incredible battle of addiction, of some kind of sexual addiction, of some kind of anger or fear, or maybe you just can't stop having affairs. I don't know what your thing is or the poverty mentality, but when you allow God to help you to identify the bitter root in your life, I believe that it can be cut out in Jesus' name. And those sensors in your spirit can open up and you can begin to feel the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Guess what? When you start tasting like that to other people, you are not going to be able to keep people away from you. They are going to want to be all up and all around you because you taste so good. Hi. 
If we were in like a, a hardcore, let's get down and dirty, we would have had the organ going on right there. We would have been, been going. We could have went right then and there, but we are going to stop. Isn't it interesting? The enemy's mouth is so full of lies and deception that he gets us thinking when we are swinging at our battles of addiction and anger and fear and poor self-image, he, he gets us thinking something. <laughs> he gets us blaming everybody else for our problems, doesn't he? Every single time. Because he's a great liar. And he actually, he actually, you actually believe the lie. I actually believe the lie. Why? Because he's deceptive. What's wrong with deception? Deception is deceiving. We're like, I can't believe they're doing, they're deceived. Just like you and I can be deceived. And we begin to blame other people. And we say things like, if they would not have exposed me to this, then I wouldn't be this way. We start saying things like, if they would have had loved me different, then maybe I wouldn't be this way. We start saying, this goes on and on. If they would have told me I was smart and I was beautiful and people like me, then maybe I wouldn't be this way. And we start believing these lies. And when we become accountable for the word of God, we can't listen to those lies anymore. I have, I have a... I got a big heart for you. If something has happened to you, I'm so sorry. I really am. But can I tell you, to the bottom of my heart, that those things will never be fixed blaming anybody. Never. Why do we blame? Because bitterness is a poison. It fills our mouth. And we begin to blame. What is blame? It's a lie because you're deceived. It's not their fault. It's the enemy's fault. We battle a war spirit to spirit, not person to person. And the enemy literally gets you to fill your mouth with a lie. You start blaming things. And the enemy has just twisted you, and he's got you fighting the wrong battle. And you're a good little soldier, boy. You're just getting up. You're just revving it. You're, trying, you're even praying. You're reading your word. You're just swinging just all the wrong places. That's all. Swinging all the wrong places. You can have freedom today. I told you that was the longest point, right? Just so you know, like the next two are not going to be as long as the first. I was already told before things got started that I got to keep it short today. (laughs) But you guys actually, I got the service earlier than normal, so it actually gave me more time, so that's pretty cool. Number two, bitterness not only fills our mouth, But bitterness clouds your judgment. I I should have said our judgment because I'm not like, "Mm," it's like, "Mm," it's like one, three. It's like two, three. "Mm," Depends on how you point. (laughs) Bitterness clouds our judgment. This poisonous root of bitterness grows up to what? Trouble. What kind of trouble does bitterness cause? Well, what happened to Eve in the garden the moment this bitterness poison leaked out of Satan's mouth? Her judgment was clouded. Just like bitterness 
possibly the original root cause for all root things in your life. Bitterness, as it clouded her judgment, can cloud our judgment. When our judgment is clouded, we begin to entertain things that we never entertained before. Think about it. She's in the garden. This woman is walking with God himself, the creator of heavens and earth and the world. They are walking hand in hand in the garden. She has everything she could ever need, everything she could ever want. She never entertained once for a second that God was holding anything back to her from her, and she never entertained the thought of tasting the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She never entertained that thought. But the minute the serpent came and spit this bitter venom on her, she began to entertain thoughts that she never entertained before. Suddenly, your values begin to change. Suddenly, slowly, by the way, suddenly, slowly, your morals begin to change. Suddenly, slowly, your standards begin to change. Does it sound a little bit like what our country is struggling with, maybe? A root of bitterness. Bitterness clouds our judgment, and we don't even know it. It's a slow fade. We begin to be deceived. That one little huffy, that one little puffy, that one little stabby, all of a sudden turns into a full-grown addiction. That one little... Mm. That one little glance, that one little flirt with that hot little secretary at your work goes from a little flirt to a full-blown affair. That one weekend away from church turns into two, turns into three, turns into four. All of a sudden you start going, why does that preacher keep asking me where I've been every weekend? I love Jesus. Ain't got, I'm just not in his church. He just ain't getting my tithe, but I love Jesus. Look, it don't got nothing to do with that. All of a sudden, you begin to entertain thoughts that you never entertained before. You start thinking, I could be a Christian without going to church. Huh. I can. Some of you are in there like, you're going way off, Sean. I don't think I am. I've been watching Shark Week. There is some, look, there is some great doctrine up in Shark Week. Anybody watch a Shark, any Shark Week watchers in here? I mean, I love Shark Week. In Shark Week, what I noticed is that these people, I, I've been one of them. I, we grew up in California, surf club at the school. We went surfing all the time. I never even once, I mean, a couple times I thought about sharks, come on. But most of the time, I really didn't think about sharks. But what happens is these sharks come, and they bite off a limb. It's nasty. It's bloody. It's gruesome, right? And then, and then, and then this was where things get crazy. The limb comes off, and everyone's like, we got to get them back to the hospital because if we don't connect that limb back to the body, that limb is going to die. They rush him back to the hospital. They sewed this one particular guy. They sewed the limb back on, but they forgot to tie in the blood flow to that limb. That limb rotted from the inside and out. When our judgment is clouded, we begin to entertain thoughts that we would have never, ever entertained before. Why? Because we're bad? No. 
Why? Because there's something wrong with you? No. Why? Because you don't really love Jesus as much as the other people sitting next to you? No. Why? Because Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. And his mouth is full of bitterness. And he spewed bitterness in your roots. And you are deceived. I believe that it is possible that if somebody disconnects themselves from the body of Christ and falls into the belief that they can serve Jesus and be healthy outside of the body, they may not survive. Deception is deceiving. The enemy is a fraud. He's a scam. He's the greatest con artist of all time. Neil Caffrey and White Collar ain't got nothing on him. You ever watch White Collar? No White Collar watchers in here? Boom. Great show. The enemy is the father of all lies. Bitterness and lies pour out of his mouth. Clouds our judgment. Remember, bitterness takes roots through offense and through unforgiveness in our life and wounds in our life. He wants to get us swinging at these addictions and our messed up self-image, and he wants us to get swinging at all the wrong things because he knows we'll be swinging for days. Bitterness does three things. It fills our mouth, it clouds our judgment, and number three, it wounds our relationships. I gotta go really fast, but this part right here is really good. Hebrews twelve fifteen. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting Bitterness wounds our relationships. It wounds our relationship with God, and it wounds our relationship with others. Let me tell you how it wounds your relationship with God. When Eve was in the garden, because of this lie that was spewed on her, and because she jumped right into that lie, and because she jumped right into that bitterness, what happened to her relationship with God? She was kicked out of the garden. Bitterness will cause you to lose intimacy in your relationship with God. What is intimacy? Maybe a a simple way to say this would be that when you can no longer have face-to-face connection with somebody, you lose intimacy. Um, What's that next scripture that should be popping up right about now in Ephesians? Okay. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. When we don't put away bitterness, that's okay, you can back up for me. When you don't put away bitterness from your life, we grieve the Holy Spirit. What happens when we lose face-to-face relationship with somebody and they die and go to heaven or die and go to hell? We what? Grieve. Why do we grieve? Because there's been a loss of intimacy between you and this person. You no longer have face-to-face relationship with them. When we leave bitterness in our life, it could literally wound our relationship with God. And number two, it'll wound our relation, wound our relationship with others. The Bible says in Psalms 64, 4, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity who who sharpen their tongue like a sword, again, the mouth, and bend their bows to shoot their arrows of what? Bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Look it. Suddenly they shoot at him and they don't fear. They don't care anymore. Their censors have been desensitized. 
They, they, they're so deceived that they don't even know what's going on. I was so deceived in my personal life that I didn't even know what's going on. I'm swinging at all these places and I'm wounding relationships all around me because of this thing called bitterness. I don't think Eve ever set out to cause Adam to lose his intimacy in his relationship with God. I don't think he ever did. But because bitterness wounds relationships, she caused both of them to lose intimacy in their relationship with God. She not only hurt her relationship with God, she hurt his. And because of that root of bitterness in the garden, the enemy has used it to ransack the body of Christ ever since. Worship team can come on up. Wow, okay. Y'all all all right? Look, the Bible says that we perish for our lack of knowledge. So we need to get some knowledge up in here so we can stop perishing, so we can stop swinging at the wrong things, so we can stop trying to win the battle over our addiction and our insecurity and our anger and our lust and whatever the list is for you. We need to get some knowledge up in here. And when you are equipped with the right knowledge and have a full understanding of what bitterness can do in your life, you could start swinging in the right direction. How are you going to overcome bitterness? Number one, stop blaming God. I can only imagine that the greatest trick that the enemy used to deceive Eve was tell her, hey, Eve, God is holding back from you. There's more good in that tree. and It's good if you eat from that fruit. He's holding back from you. So go ahead, have a little bite. I want you to know that God is not holding back from you. That's the greatest trick of the enemy. He is not trying to punish you. God tricks us into thinking, well, I've been waiting a long time on God. If he's not going to get it for me, then I'm going to go get it myself. God can't fulfill my sexual desires. I'm going to go fulfill them myself. God can't fulfill my pain I'm going to go take care of my pain my own way. Bitterness can be so deep in us that we begin to blame, not others, but begin to blame God. And when we simply, number two, repent and ask God to forgive us for blaming him and put the blame where it belongs, we can begin to have freedom. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads in this room? Listen, I I just, there's one thing I desire in this world more than anything else. I desire to be healthy spiritually. And it is a constant battle, let me tell you. The battle never ends. It never ends. I know that when I'm healthy, everything will fall into place when I'm who God created me to be. Church, I'm telling you, Church of America, this generation, when we take care of ourselves spiritually and we get healthy look it i don't care what laws the government passes the church of god will be alive and well and people all over who are deceived and who are lost will begin to taste the love the joy the peace the patience the kindness the goodness faithfulness and the holy spirit will begin to draw all men unto christ because that's what he does but the lord wants to do a little bit of house cleaning today we're going to sing an awesome song by the way the very end. It's that song, Unstoppable Love.
It's a declaration of how much God loves us. And no matter how many bitter roots we may have, no matter what things are ransacking our life, that God so passionately loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the same. He's not going to leave you alone. You are not let, let out there alone to deal with this battle all by yourself. Because his love is unstoppable if you let him come to you today. If you're in this room and you say, Sean, I'm far from God. I don't have a relationship with him or I've been far from him for a long time. I see this bitter root in my life has, has, has wounded my relationship with him and I want to come back home. If that is you in this room, would you just slip up your hand real quick and slip it down? I need to come back home. I need to come back home to Jesus. I need to come back home. Is there anybody? Thank you over here. Anybody else? Thank you in the back. I need to come back home. I've been far from Jesus, and I need to come back home. Is there anybody else? Slip up your hand real quick so I can see it. Anybody else? Thank you. Another one over here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody else? I need to come back home. I need to come back home. Okay. Put your hands down. The next question I have for you. if you've been swinging at all the wrong things and in the last 40 minutes the Lord has revealed the root of bitterness in you I want, I want you to know something there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you and if God has revealed a root in your life all we have to do church corporately is we just have to repent we have to turn from our ways. That word repent literally means to change our mind. We've got to change our mind about how we're thinking and apply the word of God to our life. If that is you in this room today, I want to ask you to stand on your feet all over this room. Come on, church, stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Let, let God do a healing in this place. Stand on your feet all over this room. If that is you, stand on your feet. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one last song, and I'm not going to do any hocus pocus, but I want, what you, I want you to do an act of faith today. If you gave your heart to Christ or you've been far from Christ and you raise your hand for that, or if you're standing right now because you said, there's a root of bitterness in me, I want you to make an act of faith when they start singing the song, and I want you to make your way to the front, and I just want between you and Jesus to repent and ask God to take care of this bitter root. Let's go. No Come now. Sin, Come on. Come now. No Come on now. Shame, no make your way to the front as a declaration no of your faith. Come on. Come on. Can separate me from your love. Come on. Everybody's standing. No make your way to the front.
you to repeat after me. I really believe that God, God is who he says he is. I really believe the things that he said in his word can happen for you. I really believe that when he said that he came to give you life and life more abundantly and life to the fullest, I believe that he meant it because he's not a man that he should lie. When he opens his mouth, he doesn't spew out lies like the enemy. And I believe the things that you've been swinging to defeat in your life for a long time, God has showed you, son, daughter, you can stop swinging because I'm the greatest healer of all kind. I'm going to put my anointing on those roots and that foundation of your life. And you are going to begin to find victory and overcome with less effort than you can ever imagine because it's a supernatural thing. Are you ready to be delivered today? Let's say this together. Dear God, I repent. I don't blame anybody for my pain. I simply see bitterness in my life. I turn from blaming others. And I turn from blaming you. You're a perfect God. Come live in my life. In ways that I never imagined. In ways that I never conceived were possible. Deliver me of the fruit of this thing called bitterness. In Jesus' name, amen today. We serve an incredible God. Go ahead and give him a shout of praise. He is awesome. Every day when I pray, most days when I pray, I'm learning to be more accurate like pastor. Most days when I pray, I pray the scripture in Ephesians that says, God will do immeasurably above and beyond whatever I can hope, ask, or think. Wouldn't you love that to happen for you? Isn't that fun? This week, I believe God is going to do immeasurably far beyond whatever you can hope, ask, or think. Your efforts to overcome sin are going to end today. As you, look it, it's not hocus pocus, as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen.